Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. Yeah, look at us. Yeah, look at us indeed. Look at us through your through your podcasting application. <laughs> That's true. I thought we can look at each other in the studio. We can look at each other in the Classic Gaming Brothers studio. Um, and people can look at our artwork that we have. So That's true. That's they true. can stare longingly, longingly at, longingly. Our, of our, at our cartoon oh. face. Oh, yeah, we beautiful. said it the same thing. Awesome. Perfect. It's almost like we're brothers. It is almost like we're brothers. Hence, we are the classic, and we like to play classic games. And we do like to play classic games, games in general. Thus, we are the classic gaming brothers. Yeah, the game I've been recently playing is not a classic game. <laughs> uh, my game, I, you could say, is a classic game. Yeah, your game falls into the, I would say, into the classic franchise. Uh, mine is... I don't know if it's classy. Mine's a classic series. That's true. So what have you been recently been playing? Well, Seth, I've recently been playing Hitman 2 from 2018, created by IO Interactive which is a follow-up to the popular Hitman game that came out in 2016, um, which was a reboot of the series, since the game that came out before Hitman 2016 was Hitman Absolution. That did not good. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's actually funny. I was, um, for our is, is It Really That Bad segment, I was actually considering doing Absolution. Yeah. And it actually scored pretty well on the Metacritic score. I actually, <laughs> I think Absolution got a lot of... Uh, not to go too deep into absolution, but I think it got a lot of flack for a game that I actually have a fun time playing. Um, I, I got a copy from a friend of mine and I played through the entire thing. It definitely took me a lot, a shorter time to play through than blood money did. And I preferred blood money. I, I think absolution is a good game. I don't know if it's a good Hitman game. No. However, Hitman two or specifically, I've been playing the levels of Hitman 1 just through Hitman 2 because it was like, do you want to play through the Hitman 1 levels first? And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I've just been doing that. Uh, I've been having a great time. Uh, my time playing Hitman is always a variety of me doing either really well or really poorly, and usually a combination of the two. So for those who have not played Hitman, you play as a, a as a Hitman whose name is Agent 47, and you are hired to kill people as a Hitman is. <laughs> That's right. There's also some weird, like, in in the new games, there's, like, this big, like, conspiracy theory, like... It's actually, uh, there's always been, like, a conspiracy theory in the entire, like, the entire yeah, yeah. series of games. You're always working working for there's like you it's great because you work for these companies like things called like the agency or the company or you have issues at the company with the agency and they're all very uh generic named companies that hire you and he he does kind of come off as like a men in black like no emotion uh sort of guy he just doesn't like wipe people's memory he puts a bullet through their forehead (laughs) <laughs> I mean, well, that's one way of wiping somebody's memory. But yeah, overall, I've been having a really fun time. I'm incredibly bad at stealth. Um, so what tends to happen is I spend about a half hour to 40 minutes planning everything that I'm going to do in game. So I like case the scene. I wander around. I usually get into a costume or two and, and try to find the guy or two people I'm supposed to kill. I kind of keep an eye on them. I, I get into a place where I think... I'm not going to be seen if I kill them. And then I'm witnessed murdering them by like 30 people who I just didn't see. And then I have to like run away or try to find a place to hide. And then the last five minutes are me just desperately trying to avoid getting caught. I did have a couple of missions that went very well for me. Specifically, uh, there was a mission in Marrakesh, I think, uh, Morocco. And uh, that went super smoothly. Uh, no issues there. I, I I walked in to one of the, one of the guys you have to kill in Marrakesh is this like general, and uh, he's located usually on the second floor of this like embassy area that you go into. So I went into the embassy area. I found a spot like directly across from where the general was standing. He was standing in one room, and I was at the other end of a courtyard in a different room, and no one was around me. And I just. <laughs> and i just walked out <laughs> and everyone's like the general's been shot and i was like oh no let me go run outside to make sure the killer didn't get out <laughs> and then i uh and then i got out of there so that was probably the best round probably my worst round was uh you have to kill this uh like 
lawyer and this pop star and yeah so after i killed the lawyer i had like every every hotel guard just coming into my room so i would like pop one drag his body another one would open the door as i'm dragging the body and being like what's going on so i pop him pull him over close the door drag that body another one would open the door as i'm dragging that body and it was just like a non-stop barrage of people so that's how that one went so that's kind of the how my how my how my hitman games go agent 47 is actually very fragile he can't be shot a lot and he usually dies pretty quick yeah he's not like a like a call of duty guy he doesn't no. like He's not like, you know, super body armor or anything. He's wearing a, you know, a suit. (laughs) He gets shot like a couple of times. He's dead. It sounds like we we do have different play styles, though. I generally am an opportunist when I play Hitman. So I generally am pretty good with not getting caught, but also tend to pull off these like, like very down to the wire hit like i like shoot the person i'm supposed to kill at the same time like the guards like just walking past the room and like (laughs) i'm dragging the body into the closet and hiding in with the body at the exact same time that the guard just decides to walk into the room yeah and like every i'm like i'm just like usually just a few seconds ahead of uh getting caught and and generally that's kind of like how my style is i i don't actually plan anything i just kind of like figure out the first way to get into where i need to go and then just just kind of roll with it and opportunistically make my way through it which has ended up into some humor situations i also like the accidental deaths where you can hook some like you can there's in one of the old and this is not i, I think i always say this is not gonna be the episode that we talk about hitman but we could but uh, <laughs> there's an episode where um it's i believe in blood money where you have to kill someone who's in the opera yes and yes, you swap that's one of my the, favorite <laughs> you swap the gun on them and then they pull the gun and and they shoot themselves with it though i think the best blood money map is the uh the house like the neighborhood one yes yes where you yeah, have to kill a, them the mobster that's a, also a very good one classic um, the, yeah the, the opera blood money map took me the longest time to play through because i was just really bad at at it and what i ended up doing was i just tried to speed run it so i like ran through pushed through the guards, shot the first guy, spun around, shot the second guy, and just bolted out of there before anyone could shoot me. And I did it in, like, like 30 seconds. <laughs> like, got no bonus points because it was, like, you know, the loudest you could yeah. be. I, I enjoyed the newspaper in Blood Money, too. It would send a little newspaper up. And yes, if, you, yeah. if you killed everybody with the scissors in the neighborhood mission it would say like some crazed gardener has gone yeah 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 Yeah. well anyway i have not been recently been playing hitman i have recently been playing a game called vampire bloodlines uh specifically with a mod called uh, clan quest it was uh, originally developed in 2004 and was done by a company called Troika Games, which the company Troika Games itself was created by some members of the staff of Interplay who left Interplay to kind of create like an old style Interplay, like a like more fun version of the company that they were getting tired of. And they created three games, Arcanum uh, of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, which is a great and one-of-a-kind game it's a uh, classic role-playing steampunk game a a, the game uh the temple of elemental evil which was a licensed D &D property which was also very good and vampire bloodlines uh vampire the masquerade bloodlines the company was done was formed by three key people uh leonard boyarski tim kane and jason anderson leonard and tim ended up uh, going to work for obsidian and jason uh, anderson ended up going to work for in exile those two companies are have both been purchased by microsoft so they all are colleagues again (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) At Microsoft. So Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines uh, used the Source Engine and was an early version of the Source Engine coming out in 04 and was a role-playing game that was set in the World of Darkness, which is a a White Wolf property um, where you play as a vampire. It was a a very gothic uh, horror type uh, game and that was very heavy dialogue uh, where you can actually progress through a majority of the entire game by just talking uh, and using skills like persuasion, seduction, or intimidation to kind of get your way, or even using uh, powers that the vampires have. The game is 
was rated very highly on Metacritic, but however, it had very poor sales where um, on original release only sold about 72,000 units. However, in 2016, uh, the game was brought over to Steam Distribution and was also brought through uh, a drive-through video game website. Uh, it's like called Drive Through, I think actually Drive Through RPG or Drive Through. Well, I know there's there was like a role playing game website that you could buy books, but I think you might be able to buy games. Regard, there's like a digital drive through version before Steam, anyway, and has actually made significant amount of sales since 2016. As from 2016 to March 2017, 550 thousand copies were purchased on Steam. Uh, so I'm currently playing the game, like I said earlier, with a mod called Clan Quest, which I actually recommend if you plan on playing Blood or if you're interested in playing Bloodlines. It comes with uh, a very later version of the unofficial patch, which is an evolving patch done by fans of the game to keep the game fixed. One of the things with Troika is all of their games that came out, maybe except for Arcanum, but definitely Temple of Elemental Evil and Vampire the Masquerade, uh, were all rushed out of development and ended up having horrible bugs. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of like a thing. (laughs) They were always like, the game coming out early the game is also rife with bugs uh so they all require official and unofficial patching especially with modern computers uh you definitely need i 100 recommend uh clan quest but uh you can find another unofficial patch to fix the game to play it the clan quest itself expands on the current game it adds in uh, additional missions and content and including uh things that were dropped from the earlier game or being able to have like uh, people follow you and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Well, cool. That's uh, awesome to hear. And I do know there is a like sequel or remake of Vampire. So yes, there is a sequel. Um, it is currently being developed by a company called Hardsuit Labs and being published by Paradox Interactive, who is the holders of the White Wolf intellectual property. And I'm guessing based on the increased digital distribution sales, knowing that they have a pretty decent IP under their belt, they decided to release a sequel. How it's going to be similar to the last game, I don't know. Um, I hope it does well. It obviously is not using any of the people that worked on it the last one. So hopefully it does is really well. Uh, and uh, when we get closer to its release, which is going to be 2021, maybe I'll bring it up in a byway pass segment or a recently played segment. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, so today we are not talking about Vampire or Hitman. <laughs> we're actually talking about a game that has absolutely nothing to do with these and it's an entirely different game than either vampire or hitman um and that game is starcraft the the blizzard real-time strategy starcraft um so seth and i have a have a history of with starcraft um and, and we've always been a big fan of the blizzard ips we obviously have talked about warcraft before but yeah so today we're talking about our other favorite one which is which is starcraft and being this far away from warcraft in our episodes does not diminish our love for starcraft that's right over warcraft that's right actually i feel like i like starcraft more than warcraft i'm a fan of the genre like that i like sci-fi versus i'm somebody who would in their video games like likes sci-fi over fantasy i i am too and i think warcraft is more nostalgic for me but starcraft is just a has a lot better um quality of life changes that were made yeah absolutely in terms of our memories with starcraft um i personally remember that we've we at least had a few copies but i remember we had a copy that was at our dad's and i think that's when i first was actually playing it i don't really remember playing it back at when i was younger like around the time i was playing warcraft or warcraft 2 um but i remember playing it at our dad's and our dad is also a huge fan of starcraft um and he still plays starcraft i'm fairly certain when he gets a chance but yeah, that that mostly my memories of StarCraft. Um, not to jump on Seth's uh, memories real quick, but I see a mention of something in Seth's memories that reminds me that I, I've owned multiple copies of StarCraft. <laughs> I have I have owned a couple of the battle chests that I've just repurchased for certain reasons. Um, and I have a digital copy and I had a copy of the N64 port that we'll briefly talk about. I ended up selling it um, for a nice chunk of change, but uh, it was... Uh, 
I did have multiple versions of one game for some reason. So that's actually one of my main reasons, main memories of StarCraft is that I owned a lot of it. Uh, yeah. For some <laughs> reason, I owned at least three different battle chests and bought it through digital distribution channels and bought the remastered version recently. I also think that I bought the singles of just StarCraft and Brood War. I remember playing StarCraft for the first time at my friend's house. The same friend who I would watch um, that we did. I watched Dune when I, we weren't supposed to. Oh, yes. So that friend, dad, really liked StarCraft. And I remember I got a copy of Brood War from them on a CDR. And you could play, you can install it off of uh, the CDR because DMR wasn't a thing. I have since bought enough StarCraft enough times that I could have had that CDR legally now. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for some reason, I just owned a lot of it. I also played it a lot, uh, especially in early high school, uh, late middle school. Uh, I played it pretty much religiously uh i didn't play a lot online uh i did play the single player a lot i went through and played multiple like versions of that whenever i played when people found out i played starcraft they would want to play online and then they found out that i was really bad at starcraft and didn't want to <laughs> play with me i did once comment in a starcraft forum a strategy and forgot about commenting on it and then got like thousands of replies and posts and likes into it uh it was before reddit was on a forum that was a that was a thing (laughs) it was a bad strategy i wouldn't recommend it but but yeah so i i really enjoyed it i i actually enjoy like terran and i actually and i i enjoy protoss and uh i think zach and i played it recently the original uh on yes which we, we played recently within a couple of weeks yeah and uh, we played the original yeah i tried to do my old strategy that which would have worked if zach wasn't bad at playing starcraft yeah well, it, yeah or because i think it, it didn't work because i ran out of minerals but you did run out of minerals and the ai was like a butt <laughs> yeah it was a butt uh so yeah there's there's those are my memories of starcraft some of them more recent than others to get into the the history of StarCraft and the, the development of it, you know, StarCraft was developed by Blizzard after the success of WarCraft 2, uh, and development began really shortly after the release of WarCraft 2. The original game that they had built was built on the WarCraft 2 engine as, as a base, and they demoed that version at E3 1996, and nobody liked it. <laughs> the, the response was lukewarm, and a lot of people were just coming up to Blizzard and being like, oh, so yeah, this is WarCraft in space. <laughs> and Blizzard, like, did not really take that... Blizzard did not take that criticism kindly, uh, in the sense that they, they, they wanted this game to stand out from WarCraft. So after this criticism was made, they decided to overhaul the entire game and the gameplay, which they ended up making more focused on the three major races in the game. And and I guess what I mean by this is if you play through Warcraft um, versus Starcraft, one thing you'll notice is that in Warcraft, the two races, the, the orcs and the humans, essentially are the same thing. You know, the orcs are just green humans where their units all have equivalents. Um, So like the human footman is essentially the same as the orc grunt or the human archer is the same as the troll axe thrower. You know, these are the same units just reskinned. What Starcraft did was something different. They made each race have similar units, but they all had different abilities. So, you know, the Terran soldiers were different than the Zerglings. And the Zerglings were different than the Protoss Zealot. And also the way that these characters maintained resources and and built things were entirely different. So like the Zergs required their land to be almost corrupted before you can build it. And, uh, and the Terran could just build houses and farms. And the Protoss required uh, pylons. And the Protoss required pylons that were like energy sources. In a way, they they made the game focused on these races and not on just the general real-time strategy playthrough, which I think was a smart decision because I think that really guides the way that you play the game. And Bill Roper, who was a developer, um, compared this to chess, and he stated that StarCraft would allow players to, quote, develop a very unique strategies on which species is being played. Very similar to uh, another game set in the far future that many of these races may have been based on Warhammer 40k. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Protoss have very similar 
uh, correlation to the Eldar, up to and including using something known as warp technology. And the Zerg are very similar to the Tyranid, looking very, very close to what a Tyranid looks like. And Blizzard changed enough of it to avoid getting in trouble with the lawyers so the game of starcraft as it was being developed was continually delayed um though there was a lot of news that was circulating about it during the, during the 90s and a lot of excitement was it was drumming up um so much excitement in fact that there was already groups of starcraft fans <laughs> even though the game was not out yet there are fans of a game that was not out and these fans got so excited for the game they created forums based on the game and they also started creating groups within these forums including one group that was known as operation can't wait any longer and operation can't wait any longer was a series of writings that were all these fictional stories in which members of the forum would steal copies of the beta of starcraft to play it this wasn't something real that was happening these were fictional fan fiction essentially of people stealing copies of starcraft they're very excited about it <laughs> they were that excited uh blizzard loved this they thought it was they thought it was really sweet and they paid homage to this group um with a cheat code so there's a cheat code in starcraft um operation cwal operation qual and if you type in that cheat code it speeds up the production of units it makes them go faster because you can't wait any longer i think it instantly produces them doesn't it yeah it makes them produce um like instantly also they they included a little thank you note to the operation can't wait any longer team of, of writers um as a as just a you know thank you for waiting the game was eventually released on windows march 31st 1998 a mac port followed the the next year and an n64 port was actually developed in 1999 and was released in june of 2000 with the conversion being done by mass media interactive which was a subsidiary of thq and just to quickly talk about the the N64 port is actually really fascinating. It's probably one of the better PC conversions of a real-time strategy game to a console, which there aren't a lot of those. I mean, there's like Warcraft for the PlayStation 1 and Command and & Conquer for the PlayStation 1 and X and the N64. But this game plays and feels like StarCraft and it looks like StarCraft and it actually plays really well. And it has multiplayer in Brood War, which was the expansion pack. It, it's a massive little N64 game. And it does some cool tricks with the controller, assigning different buttons to hotkeys to allow you to build faster and move your units faster because you don't have a mouse and keyboard. Um, so just a fascinating little game. Um, it, it, it's worth a little bit of money at this moment. So if anyone's interested in playing it, uh, good luck <laughs> trying to find a copy. But uh, it, it was, it's definitely a really interesting port. Yeah, I don't know because StarCraft is a real-time strategy just as a, in case. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it is a real-time strategy, you know. that. So playing it on an N64 controller is uh, interesting. Fun fact about Mass Media Interactive being a subsidiary of THQ, THQ ends up going off to develop a bunch of Warhammer 40K games. Ooh coincidence <laughs> so the the game is a uh starcraft is a real-time strategy game uh in the same vein as such as warcraft where you must balance resource management with creation of units uh, all to attack an enemy base while defending your own base there are in the campaign hero units that you generally must keep them alive in order to complete the mission this is Jimmy. <laughs> this is Jimmy. The titular character being Jim Rayner, uh, followed by some other knockout performances such as Zero Tool of the Protoss. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be titular because titular means it's the the, the title character in Jimmy's Jim Rayner. Rayner. Jim Rayner's is, name is not the... Jim Starcraft Rayner. <laughs> I would look it up in a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> His, his name is Jim Starcraft Rainer. Have you played Wings of Liberty? Jim, <laughs> Jim Rainer is it's the Jim Rainer story. All of Starcraft is the Jim Rainer story with side stories about Zeratul. Some other characters that I really enjoyed. Uh, there was um, Arcturus Manx, the Edmund Duke. Uh, those were Terran characters. Uh, Arcturus Manx leads a rebellion, eventually becomes the emp Empire. It's, it's weird. There's a confederacy that Edmund Duke is part of, and then you team up with Arcturus Manx, who is the um, leader of this resistance force against the confederacy but then he just goes and starts his own confederacy where he's in, he's the king emperor he becomes emperor minsk uh, there's also a um, the theme the, the main um, 
like foil to Jim Rayner is uh, a woman by the name of Kerrigan, and she ends up going and doing some interesting things in the game. And <laughs> <laughs> to say to say the least. <laughs> um, and I, if you haven't, I feel like StarCraft has been out long enough that you could say that Kerrigan ends up falling to the Zerg and becoming yeah. the Queen of Blades. She is literally the box cover for brood war which (laughs) like that's her face there is also um some interesting characters that are introduced in brood war such as uh admiral de gaulle and vice admiral stukov who (laughs) stukov who ends up also falling to the zerg and becoming (laughs) a member of the zerg army oh no Um, there's a there's a uh there's a there's a pattern there there's uh phoenix the dragoon oh yes 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 yeah well phoenix well phoenix is phoenix starts off at not being a dragoon he ends up he starts off being a zealot and he ends up dying and they end up putting his body into a dragoon where his soul lives on and he's just now a tank which is how the Protoss do their thing. Yeah, the Protoss are weird. <laughs> so all these characters that takes set are set in the 24th century after overpopulation of Earth causes members of the human race to be exiled, such as criminals, the cybernetically enhanced, and genetic mutants. And they're, all these criminals are sent off to colonize the far reaches of the galaxy. So Earth is like, there's too many of us, get rid of the undesirables into space they go (laughs) yeah and so they colonize because they're all stuck out to earth together outside of earth and they're all stuck in planets far away together and so they colonize the far reaches of the earths and form a government called the confederacy of man which becomes a strong faction of humans though is also run by criminals yes (laughs) so they're incredibly oppressive and pretty much fascist and it's kind of an interesting underlying theme that you should always keep in mind when you're playing starcraft that these people are all like all the terrans a lot of them put themselves off as like that they're upstanding individuals but know that they were kicked off of earth because they were a criminal yeah like Uh, no one's a good guy (laughs) no (laughs) like jimmy's probably the best and even he has his problems (laughs) yeah like jim rayner may be a like a law enforced guy like a marshal but he still also was at one point in time a criminal (laughs) yes Uh, yeah um, I think probably Zeratul is really is the uh, <laughs> who's a who's a Protoss assassin, yeah. <laughs> a noble uh, profession. Well, yeah, well, because he's not he's not a hitman because he doesn't get paid. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> there was an expansion pack that was made by Blizzard called Brood War, which was released in December of 1998, which was eventually bundled into the with the original in what Zachary and I have purchased multiple times, known as the Battle Chest, which was just a big box with both of the games. Brood War continues the story of StarCraft and expands on the campaign. It goes back and touches, like, sees what Kerrigan's doing now as the Queen of Blades. The story, though, at the end of the day in Brood War, does very little to change the story. Uh, So, like, when StarCraft II Wings of Liberty start off, you don't have to have played Brood War. You could just play the original one to kind of, like, roll into that game. Brood War essentially introduces a faction of characters uh, called the United Earth Directorate, who are essentially people from earth who are checking out what happened with all those criminals who got sent far away and by the end of the game they're removed from the situation and from the starcraft area of the galaxy uh so brood war is an interesting story uh but a lot of what happens in brood wars happens specifically to the characters of brood war such as like jim rayner he has some issues that happen and kerrigan but that doesn't change uh the political spectrum of what's going on in starcraft and all three races had their own storyline uh you had to play in the order of terran then zerg then protoss and that's the general way that they keep the storyline progression through it's also a way that you get taught how to play starcraft oh yeah play you start off playing terran which is probably the easiest race to figure out how to play then you play Zerg, and then you play Protoss. And Protoss probably has the most... I, 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 I'm I sure there's Zerg players out there who are going to say that 
Zerg is the most complicated, but Protoss probably have the, has the most complicated mechanics associated. Yeah, with I the think game. so. Yeah, the Zerg, like as described earlier, are very um, bug-like. Uh, familiar with Tyranids from Warhammer 40k. They're very much this swarm and this hive mind cr- meta creature. They're essentially a big hive of nasty little things that essentially just swarm and kill everything and they just take over planets. So they're a problem. And then uh, the Protoss, very similar to like the Eldars, are very like energy mystical creatures. And they're very old. Both of the races, the Protoss and Zerg, play vastly different than each each other. And, and the Terrans, who are the humans, also play very differently. The Protoss and the, Z- the Zerg, also there's some like things that you learn. And you learn about this thing called the Zelnaga, which is like the root creature that they stem from. And pretty much all of Starcraft carries this like meta arc of like where did the zerg come from where did the protoss come from and they kind of try to vaguely discuss that while you're dealing with the day-to-day fighting the zerg the the lore is definitely deep um in terms of uh, starcraft i think there's a couple of books and uh other media yes i i've actually i I think i've I've definitely picked up one of the books and i have have read it i don't necessarily say that the books are either i young adult fantasy game books so i wouldn't necessarily say that Not they're high the literature highest form yeah the highest form highbrow literature but uh i mean if you really like starcraft they're a place to go and i did really like starcraft which is why i own the books so along with brood war there are also two notable authorized expansion packs and i want to make sure that i emphasize that these were authorized because the late 90s and the early 2000s were what it was like wild west of video gaming in the sense that uh you would have these companies release map packs campaigns um you know costume packs and stuff for all manner of games there was and this might be an episode in itself but there were like unauthorized doom uh cds you could buy there were unauthorized duke nukem cds you could buy the sims had a line of unauthorized um you know like furniture and and costumes and stuff that you you could buy the the sim mart thing yeah which uh, was actually the one you could buy was just all stolen from the internet (laughs) like it was just all fan stuff that that you could get for free but they sold it for like 20 bucks (laughs) so in any case there were two that were made two expansion packs that were made for starcraft that were authorized third-party expansion packs this was insurrection and retribution both were released in 1998 and kind of the consensus that seth and i have is that this was probably due to blizzard feeling that there was this appetite for expansion packs which led them to release also brood war right so because people were asking to make authorized expansion packs led blizzard to make brood war right you know blizzard saw that there were both unauthorized expansion packs fan packs and stuff like that coming out there and after they had these two authorized they were like hey let's make our own spoiler alert brood war is the better expansion pack brood War's the uh, best expansion pack. <laughs> yeah um, so Insurrection and Retribution used the creator kit that came with the games. So when you bought StarCraft, you actually got a map editor. And uh, the, the map editor you could use to kind of manipulate assets and create create your own maps. And, and you, could also, you could also create your own splash screens. Yes. So you yeah. can create your own mission debriefer, which they did, and you can you could you could also create like triggers for things to like have NPCs say dialogues, which they did. Yeah, they they also added some voice acting, though the voice acting is incredibly inconsistent <laughs> and and sometimes just bad. Yeah, and voice acting is something that needs to be consistent. So the the first the first expansion pack was Insurrection that was created by Aztec New Media, and it featured three new full campaigns, which had thirty missions and more than a hundred new multiplayer maps. It takes place during the first campaign in StarCraft. Even though it was authorized, you still had to go through the customs game settings to access the expansion pack. Um, so in 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 StarCraft, there was a, a setting to to load custom games that you created, and you had to like save the files from the CD in a special place in order to access the files. It wasn't it didn't like create 
a new icon or something on your screen. Blizzard had final creative approval for everything during the story and uh, and during the development of Insurrection, uh, though they still view Insurrection as completely non-canon. <laughs> so they didn't need right. to approve anything. So, so even though that they had creative approval to approve and deny the entire story, they still are like, that's probably not canon. <laughs> Retribution was created by Wizardworks Software, and Wizardworks is not unfamiliar with creating um, expansion packs. They created a ton of unauthorized Duke Nukem and Doom expansion packs, all of which were just stolen assets from like fan mods on the internet. Retribution contains over 120 new multiplayer maps, three new campaigns, along with 30 new single player maps. And in early production of this game, the production was canceled. So finding a physical copy of Retribution is very hard. Um, Blizzard did not support their authorized expansion packs, and they don't view Retribution as canonical either. So if you had an issue with Retribution or Insurrection, technical issue, Blizzard would not help you with that. They, yeah, they would be like, tough cookies, you shouldn't have bought it. <laughs> yeah. Even though it was authorized. Yeah, yeah. Blizzard stamped their approval and we're like, that's it. That's all we're giving this thing is just our stamp. Um, and really, it, it really is just a stamp. It's like uh, when you buy, when you bought the box of Retribution or Insurrection, it had a little st- little label on it that just said like, officially licensed by Blizzard. <laughs> you know, that's, that's all you needed. So um, StarCraft alone was incredibly well received and was actually remastered in 2017 with the release of StarCraft Remastered. It added support for high definition graphics and also higher resolution. So you could play the game in I think up to 4K. Um, the game's online capabilities were popular enough to spawn what would be considered the earliest form of esports, especially in places like South Korea, where it was kind of this growing, um, you know, area for esports. The game did see a full sequel in 2010 known as StarCraft II, Wings of Liberty, which has also grown in popularity in the online gaming community, and I think really is the is the the, the trendsetter for what we know of it as esports. Um, usually yeah, when absolutely. people refer to esports, they they first thing they think of is like StarCraft. Really, the first thing they think of is StarCraft II. Um, and, and the multiplayer of StarCraft II really lent to that. They really adapted into esports, including creating like uh, ranked lobbies and stuff like that for people to be able to uh, be competitive. Uh, they also went on to make uh, what StarCraft II Heart of the Swarm, which was the Zerg expansion pack, well, addition to StarCraft II, and also Legacy of the Void, which is the the Protoss campaign. And StarCraft II is fun. Um, I, I like it. And um, they even created a, a, a DLC mission pack for StarCraft II Wings of Liberty called StarCraft II Nova Covert Ops, which uh, was released over the year of 2016. And it takes place place on the aftermath of the legacy of the void and you play as a psionic operative known as nova you go through a a a story pack of of those missions which were nine missions where you play as nova which was interesting because nova that's almost an homage or it is an homage to uh the lead character in a game called uh, starcraft ghost which was canceled Uh, and which was actually going to be a military science fiction stealth action video game which would have been very different from blizzard's usual run of real-time strategy games so yeah i think that will do it that will do it for our starcraft um episode um you know starcraft is a, is a great series uh seth and i love it and we we do play it frequently on our twitch so um you know be sure to tune into our twitch to uh watch us play some starcraft sometime we also have the past some of the past broadcasts on our youtube yeah it's a it's a lot of fun and we're very bad we are we uh, yeah i should i should i should preface the fact that we're not good at starcraft (laughs) no no (laughs) don't think we're good yeah so we're gonna go back into our um so our byway pass segment is uh it's back (laughs) so with the fall only being about a week away from the release of this episode uh the summer vacation for byway that the byway pass has been experiencing is over 
and by, it has to come back to work. To refresh everyone's memory, uh, this segment is where we look at some games that are either upcoming or have been recently released and discuss if, in this, if the game, in our opinion, is worth buying, waiting, or passing on. Uh, as a reminder, if we do say that we're passing, it's not that we think that the game is horrible or will be horrible. It's just that we don't aren't particularly interested in the game and it might not be necessarily be a good fit for us, uh, but it could be a good fit for you. So if you like our description of it, maybe check it out yeah we've certainly passed on games that um i mean in general looked good we just aren't interested so yeah by weight pass um so seth i think i'll i'll go first if you don't mind uh so my by weight pass is actually a bit of dlc it's doom eternal the ancient gods which is uh due out in october uh 20th 2020 the ancient gods is doom eternal's first dlc it's actually going to be part one of their of their planned dlc and interestingly enough, while it is DLC, or at least considered DLC, it is a standalone title and not requiring the base game to play it. So you could pick up Ancient Gods and play it if you've never played Doom Eternal. Um, you might want to play Doom Eternal, though, because Doom Eternal is a great game. Uh, it will put you in the role of the Doom Slayer after the events of Doom, Doom Eternal. Uh, my understanding of the plot of the game, and Doom's not really a game that you play for the plot, but... Um, the Doom Slayer has defeated the um, the Doom Slayer has defeated the Icon of Sin, and is now dealing with some other issues that, that are coming about on Earth, and uh, is is dealing with the this returning enemy of of these creatures called the Makir, which are these um, almost like angels who who are in league with Hell. And the Doomslayer must resurrect these ancient creatures in order to fight the the, the Makir. So it seems like it could be an interesting game. I, I'm certainly excited. Um, reportedly, the gameplay is supposed to consist of harder levels and enemies. And also, interestingly enough, your character starts out fully upgraded. Um, so that's something that they talked about in a recent interview with one of the developers that he said that he really wanted this game to feel like it's it's a logical progression from the end of... A player playing doom eternal so you beat doom eternal you unlocked everything uh you know you've upgra- upgraded your character to the the fullest possible extent and this is the story that's coming after um but he made sure to clarify that doesn't mean the game's going to be easy you know if anything that's going to scale um so it, it's going to be a hard game you're just going to have everything from the beginning which i think is interesting i'm curious to see how they how they play with that especially because i think leveling up in doom eternal is was an interesting kind of tactic for a doom game but it'll be it'd be cool to go back to the the way old doom was where you never leveled up you just kind of were already a badass personally it's it's going to be a buy from me i'm excited for the game to come out um so uh be on the lookout for that as one of my recently plays so for my buy weight path is going to be a uh, to tie back to my recently played so by uh, a company that one of the uh, Troika Games developers now works at uh, in exile. They produced uh, a game, or they developed a game called Wasteland Three. Uh, so Wasteland Three was released just in August 27th of 2020, and was developed and published by In Exile Entertainment, which they crowdfunded it uh, through a website called Fig.co. Co and where you can crowdfund uh, video games, which I think also in Exile owns, which means since Microsoft owns in Exile, Microsoft might own the whole bunch. I'm not sure. So uh, Wasteland 3 is based on the, the Wasteland series. And so Wasteland was originally uh, released in uh, 1988, which would put it in a classic game. Uh, Wasteland, the original, is a science fiction open world role playing video game which was developed by Interplay and published by Electronic Arts. The people then, it was actually directed by Brian Fargo, who's uh, the CEO of In Exile. Oh, cool. And so then in 2014, In Exile Entertainment went and did a crowdfunding for Wasteland 2, which was successful. They released Wasteland 2. And then they did a crowdfunding for Wasteland 3, which was successful. And they released it on August 28th, 2020. So I've really played like the Wasteland 2 and the beta for Wasteland 3. You play is a party-based role-playing game which takes place in a post-apocalyptic environment. 
Uh, you build out up to a party of like six what's known as desert rangers. You go through the whole the whole world. It is a heavy skill game where you do deep character customization. So I played a lot of Wasteland 2. I actually had a lot of fun just building my character out, uh, let alone like playing the game. <laughs> like I just had fun like building because you can build your character and you can really have some interesting characters like I had this guy, he was a priest who was a sniper and he smoked a lot of cigarettes. Like, and that was, and he looked like the crypt keeper. And like, and that was just one guy. They all can jump into different conversations too. And when you engage in a dialogue, like your whole group engages in the dialogue. So certain people will chime in when they're supposed to and stuff like that. And you build out your squad, kind of how to fit your game, fit the game style that you want to play. So if you want to just be like, killing everybody, running around, brute forcing everything, you can do that. If you want to be like a stealth game, you can do that. If you want to be like heavy persuasion dialogue, you can do that. So it it, it is a type of game that I generally enjoy. I have yet to beat Wasteland 2. So it's in my uh, my game pile of shame, which maybe <laughs> one day we can, we can talk about the, that. The shame, the shame the, pile the, games. The shame pile, where it's games where I've put uh, uh, time into, but... Uh, and have enjoyed, but have not just gotten around to beating it. But I still, it won't stop me from buying Wasteland 3 or playing Wasteland 3 before I beat Wasteland 2. I I kickstarted Wasteland 3, so I was involved in the Kickstarter, so I already own it. So I'm going to put it down as a uh, buy as well. It's a, a fun series, especially if you enjoy, um, if you if you like old school Fallout, like the uh, original, like Fallout 1, Fallout 2, and you want something that's more modern, but very similar to Fallout and still like a computer role playing game and not necessarily like the new stuff with the first person stuff, then I would recommend like Wasteland 3 or checking that out because that is very similar type of aesthetics that Fallout has. And then it has a common combat system very similar to like XCOM. In fact, uh, Wasteland's aesthetic to Fallout is so similar that Fallout was inspired by Wasteland. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Since Wasteland is old. Yeah, 1988. But it, yeah. it was actually just recently remastered though. Um, So that's going to so, do it. Oh, yeah, so, so that's it. Uh, did you say if you were buying, waiting, and passing on it? I said I'm going to buy if oh, you were okay. paying attention. I wasn't paying attention. I'm a good brother. I know you weren't. I'm a good brother. So that will do it. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will do it. Would you be able to tell everybody how they can contact us, listen to us, and support us? Yes, Seth. I can certainly tell everybody how to contact us, listen to us, and support us. So to contact us, what you would need to do is you could email us uh, because we don't give out our phone number to just anybody. But if you email us, we probably will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> especially if we know you in real life. <laughs> but <laughs> to contact us, if you want, you can you can shoot us an email. Uh, you can shoot that email to classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. You can actually shoot that email to classicgamingbrothers at classicgamingbrothers.com. But that's very long. But it, you could you could do that if you wanted to. It works. Yeah, and just tell us anything that you want to. Tell us, uh, you know, how much you love the show, how much you hate the show. Tell us how much you uh, like the sound of our voices. Tell much. Tell us how much uh, louder I was than Seth. Uh, tell us how how you really enjoy listening to our voices and how you you can't wait for next week's episode and you hope uh you hope we talk about your favorite game tell us anything we we want to hear it um you know we want to hear the good and we want to hear the bad uh we we just want to hear from you and no matter what you send us you actually will be entered into the chance to win uh, a game off of Seth's incredibly long and ongoingly longer list of uh, games that he has to give away so that's one way to contact us another way to contact us is by reaching out to us through any of our social media platforms we have a facebook instagram and twitter facebook and instagram are both classic gaming brothers and the twitter is cg brothers pod uh sorry about that i wasn't able to get classic gaming brothers for some reason i don't think it's already an existing twitter it might have been too long what else so yeah you can you can reach out to us through any of the social medias that we, we have we actually just recently created a reddit but it's not like that's a social media page but i guess you could reach out to us there um just don't expect a response anytime soon because <laughs> i don't know i don't know who's going to check that one but yeah reach out to us uh we'll we'll get back to you when we can and uh most likely seth will get back to you unless it's on twitter in which case i'll probably get back to you but in reality seth will probably be getting back to you because i'll probably 
probably have him read whatever I'm going to send and he'll correct it and, and send it. You can also go to our website. We have a contact form on our website. The contact form goes to our email. Um, it actually functions as kind of a little mini email in itself. So it's the same as sending us an email. It's just on the website and not through an email client. And our website's classicgamingbrothers.com. Yes, the website is classicgamingbrothers.com. And we recently updated the website a little bit. We added a, a new page that shows... Um, Seth was about to be like, no, we didn't. <laughs> um, we added a page that shows some of our guests on the show, uh, which, spoiler alert, will be expanding in the near future. I'm not going to say when because I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. So <laughs> if if you want to, what was it, contact, listen, support? If you want to listen to us, there's plenty of ways you can listen to us. Uh, we are available on pretty much every podcasting application out there that we know of if there's a podcasting application out there that we don't know of maybe you just created it let us know how we can get on it and we'll do our best to get on it but yeah we're available on pretty much every podcasting application out there we're available on um you know apple we're available on uh, spotify we're available on Castbox, stitcher uh you name it we're on it and again if you name it and we're not on it we'll get on it just let us know shoot us an email and then you'll be entered into a chance to win a classic gaming brother prize which is a game off of set's list <laughs> now let's say you want to support us there's plenty of ways to support us but the number one way to support us is telling three friends because if you like something you tell three people if you hate something you tell more people so so tell three friends tell three friends about classic gaming brothers and how much you love classic gaming brothers and then they'll tell three friends and those three friends will tell three friends and those three three friends will tell three friends and soon there'll be a classic gaming brother ponzi scheme <laughs> Uh, of people just listening to classic gaming brothers that's true and if you want to listen to a great podcast about ponzi schemes you can listen to ponzi supernova where it talks about bernie madoff fun (laughs) um another way to support us is uh just by reaching out to us we really like to hear from fans we really we really want to hear from fans so um you know reach out to us that is a great way to support us listen to our episodes another great way to support us subscribe to us follow us on facebook and instagram and twitter all those different things um and if you definitely feel inclined feel free to pick up one of our t-shirts or one of our mugs um that we have available on the website you know they're there so um we we definitely don't expect anyone to buy anything but uh you know if you feel like it throw a little money at it and see what t-shirts you get (laughs) so you'll probably get the one that you picked out yeah it's a store yeah yeah, that's how it works uh (laughs) unless unless like we get weird and we just start sending people t-shirts in the mail (laughs) i mean if you send me your address i will send you maybe a sticker (laughs) probably a sticker uh, we have we have so many stickers for packs. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, Zach and I expected to attend more cons this year. Yes, we we did expect to attend more conventions. Uh, so, if you want a sticker, you can send us an email with feedback, and I'll mail you a sticker. <laughs> and that's all the different ways that you can uh, you know contact us, listen to us, and support us. I can't think of anything else at all. Nothing at all. Nothing. Not one thing. I can't think of one thing at all. Seth, can you? And don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jimmy. This is Jimmy. Rainer, Rainer here. here. Rainer here. <laughs>